We've been talking for a few weeks around this place about Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where the angel said, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's a timeless truth. And it's a timeless truth that matters because every worthy story is rooted in the story of what happened on this night that we celebrate. The heart of every great story is found in the story of Christmas. And that may need a little explanation, so here's what I mean with that. Everybody loves a story, right? That's why we go to movies. That's why we read books. Um, That's why we cherish songs. All the stories that last, all of them that have worth, have themes in common. They all have a theme that love wins at the end, right? They will say that evil should be crushed or overcome by the end. Courage and faithfulness and loyalty are held up as worthy of aspiring to in great stories. Character is portrayed as more important than success in a lot of great stories. Human life is more important than a mountain of money in a lot of great stories. I want you to think of the last few movies that you've seen, books you've read, and if they're worth something, if they stuck with you, isn't that what they say? All of those themes are represented. And if they're not, isn't there a part of you that wished that they were? And the question is, why do we so readily latch on to those ideas in stories? Why is it so compelling to us that the not-so-attractive girl in the beginning of the movie uh, we know is the one that the hero is supposed to be with by the end of the movie? Why is it that we root for them to find each other before the credits roll? We don't really have any evidence that this is the way it should go. It's not like we can go into the lab and prove that love is more powerful than evil and that it should win in the end. And yet we instinctively, deep down, without any empirical evidence at all, we know that these things are true, that love should win, that the hero is supposed to be with the girl, that the victim is supposed to be rescued. That Lego Batman will, by the end of his, the movie, open himself up to real love and gain the family that he lost, right? We know that Buddy is supposed to say goodbye to Mr. Norwal and, tra- Bye, buddy. and travel from the North Pole to find his real father and have a great relationship with him by the end of the movie. And we all know that Ralphie will absolutely get the Red Ryder BB gun with the compass in the stock by the end, right? We know these things. It's supposed to be that way. Why do we always want to direct the end of the story in this way? What compels us to that? Now, if you're a Christian, that's a pretty easy thing to answer. If you're not, it's a little more difficult to navigate Other people who aren't believers have to say, well, those stories are nice and those are exciting and maybe I was moved a little bit and maybe I was joyful or I cried and I was moved, but really at the end of the day, it's not true. In fact, those things can never really happen. Or if they do happen, I know that really it's all for nothing because at the end of the day, the earth is just getting hotter and we're all doomed to burn up in the end and that's a sad place to be. But as Christians... We get to gather on a night like tonight because we have a different outlook. It's because Jesus broke into the world and is with us that we get to say with confidence 
that the improbable plot twist has happened and it will happen again. The miraculous story is true. Rudy can walk onto the campus of Notre Dame and actually get playing time by the end of his senior year. It can happen because it, ha- is, it has happened in the person of Jesus. Jesus suffered the ultimate deceit, uh, de- de- uh, defeat. He sacrificed himself for us. He was murdered on our behalf, but he rose victorious in life. And Jesus' story lays the fundamental truth for every other great story. There's a guy named Tim Keller, and he says it this way. He says, when you read the story of Beauty and the Beast, that there is a love that can overcome our prisons and redeem us. Or when you read Peter Pan, and Peter says, we can fly and we'll never grow old. Or you read Sleeping Beauty, that even though we're in a living death, and there's a handsome prince who can come and take us away from that. You see, it's different for Christians The Christian approach to story and to art is totally different because Christians can say, guess what? There really is a knight who will slay the dragon. We really literally are eventually going to fly and never grow old because of the story of Jesus. And so for the Christian, in every story, there are two stories. In every song, there are two songs. We might sing, oh, let's pick an older song that most of us know. Love, love will keep us together. Right? Right? Why do we sing that? When we sing that, we're thinking, baby, right? Baby, love will keep us together. But for Christians, it goes deeper than that. Because we know that love will not just keep you and I together. Love is what sent God to the earth as a baby. And love is what keeps the world together and right with Him. And there's a story that's being told in every story, but there's the true story of Jesus out of which all good stories grow. And the seed of those stories is the story of Jesus whether they realize it or not. And so Christians get to have this ocean of joy when they hear any story Because when they sing any song and read any book, watch any movie about those excellent sort of things, you see, everybody else has to hope that that's true, but there's always a dead end. But the Christian gets to know it is true. There is a handsome prince who will kiss you and wake you up. These things are true. In every story, there are two stories. In every song, there are two songs. Now, in the same way, that the truest of stories affects every story, tonight it should most affect your own story. Because of with, Emmanuel, God with us, because of with, we have unceasing hope for the future. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4 to some people that he's concerned about, and he uses a little phrase. He says, My children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And Paul uses this picture of a woman who is pregnant, and half of you in here maybe have experienced that. And you know what happens. You wait, and you wait, and you wait until slowly... This child is formed 
in you more and more. And that's what happened when the angel came to Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. The baby was conceived. This Messiah, Emmanuel, began to be formed in her. God with us. And through her, Christ came into the world and changed the world. And Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 4 that that same thing can happen to you and to me. Christ can be formed in us in a spiritual way so that he can again change the world through us. And so tonight, I want to challenge you to look at yourself and do some inventory. Have you lost hope tonight? Are there issues that dog you in your life to the point that you believe you'll never be able to change? That it'll never be different? Has the light gone out of some corner of your heart What Paul writes, until Christ is formed in you, here's what it means, that your story can change tonight because he is with us. And that means that transformation is possible. Change can be a reality because of the truest of stories. We are never allowed again to say that that can never happen, that'll never change, it'll never be different. We're not allowed to say that. Look at one illiterate teenage girl. And look what happened because she was willing to say, let it be. God wrote her story and Jesus changed the world. The God who is with us makes that possible. The one who wrote the Christmas story, the story behind every story, wants to write your story. And all that is needed for you is to be with him with Him in His story means that our story ends up happily ever after. It's never too late to become the person that you might have been. And tonight we get to celebrate the fact that we are with Him and that our stories have changed and that our story can continue to change. And so our task in coming to communion tonight is to be refreshed with this truest of stories. You see, Jesus didn't just leave us a book where his story was written. What, he went one step further and he left objects by which we could relive this story every week. The bread, the cup, even these objects that he left us that we will partake in in a second. There are stories behind these things. The story of the bread is one of seed and growth and being cut off and then threshed and ground into the dust and then put through the fire so that there can be bread. The story of the cup is one of fruit and vines and pruning and picking and bruising and crushing and pressing and piercing so that there may be wine. And both stories are about living things being sacrificed so that our own life can go on for another day. And of course, the story behind those stories, in every story there are two stories, the story behind those stories is that we celebrate when we pass these objects that Jesus gave up his life for us, that he was cut off, that he was bruised and pierced and faced the fire for us, that his body was broken for us, that his blood was spilled on our behalf to cleanse our sin. The cost to him was death, but that death gives us life. And so you're invited to that story 
again tonight. So as we take communion, I want to give you a little instruction. This is the way it will work the best. There are four stations, and they are in front of each of the major sections in the auditorium. And so we would like to start in the front, so the front rows, and come and take communion. And then uh, when you come, if you would come up these side aisles that are in between the two main sections, and then if you will go back to your seat by either the middle aisle or the outward wall aisles, then everything will flow a little better and a little more smoothly. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to let the strings play. And uh, we're going to start in the front rows and work to the back. And I want you to contemplate your story tonight. Where are you at? Every one of us. It doesn't matter if we're new to the story or if we've been familiar with the story for years and years. There's something that God wants us to do. There's another step that He's asking us to take. Would you contemplate that tonight as you thank Him for this story that underlies every other story? Let's pray. Father, these emblems tell us the truest of stories as they always have, that a Savior has come into the world, that the Son of God left the treasure of heaven for us, that He gave His life so that we could escape death. Sin and death are no longer factors in our destiny because of the story of this night. We thank You that Jesus became a slave to sin so that we could be heirs of God and be called His sons and daughters and live forever. We celebrate that story, and it's in the name of Jesus. Amen.